0: This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. At the tender age of 24, Lou Gehrig decided to tell the remarkable story of his life and career. He was one of the most famous athletes in the country. In the midst of a record-breaking season with the legendary 1927 World Series winning Yankees, in an effort to grow Lou's star, pioneering sports agent Christy Walsh arranged for Lou's tale of baseball greatness to syndicate in newspapers across the country. Until now, those columns were largely forgotten and lost to history. Lou comes alive in this inspiring memoir. It is a heartfelt, rags-to-riches tale about a dirt-poor kid from New York who became one of the most revered baseball players of all time. The author is Alan Gaff. The book, Lou Gehrig, The Lost Memoir. Alan Gaff is an independent scholar and the author of many books, including Lou Gehrig, The Lost Memoir, Bayonets in the Wilderness, Blood in the Argonne, and on many a bloody field held as a masterpiece of Civil War scholarship, according to the Book Watch. He makes his home in Indiana. Happy to have Alan Gaff join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Alan, welcome to this program. Thank
1: you, Steve. It's great to be with you today.
0: So how did you discover Gehrig's columns?
1: I'll let you in on a little secret about historians. Sometimes the best stuff is just luck. I hope I didn't break any historian code there. <laughs> but uh, in 2005, I had written a, a book called Blood in the Argon on the Lost Battalion of World War I. After putting some information aside for uh, quite a while, I thought maybe I could compile some information about uh, veterans of World War I who were involved with the Prohibition Act and how they were treated according to the law. In doing the research for that, I was doing um, inf- looking for information on Captain Leo Stromi of San Bernardino, California. And in the process of researching his background, I stumbled upon uh, the Lou Gehrig columns called Following the Babe, which appeared in the Oakland Tribune. And I was, like, kind of stunned to see those. It's like I don't remember ever having seen those anywhere. So I did a quick Google search and found out that they hadn't been reprinted anywhere that I could see. So I contacted the uh, patent office in Washington, D.C., found out that, uh, yeah, I could I could make a book out of them. So I contacted my agent, Roger Williams, and I had to convince him that, uh, yeah, they really are true, uh, because they did appear to be too good to be true, as they still appear to be too good to be true. After convincing Roger, we got in touch with Stuart Roberts at Simon & Schuster and kind of had to go through the same process of convincing Stuart that, yes, they really are true. And once everyone was convinced they did exist, they were written by Lou, Uh, everybody was on board, and we went full steam ahead from there.
0: Alan Gaff is my guest here. On speaking of writers, his new book is *Luke Gehrig, the lost memoir. So, Alan, he was 24 when he wrote these columns, and as you were reading these columns, what did you think? What was the writing style like? How was he as a writer?
1: He was totally sincere, and he's got a what what you might call a folksy style. Where reading his memoir which is really a strange memoir in the fact that it was written at the age of 24 instead of in his 70s or 80s like most memoirs are. But it was almost like sitting in a living room and asking Lou, well, tell me about your baseball career. And he would just start and tell you in his own words uh, what his career was, what his life had been like since he was born up through the celebrated 1927 season.
0: What surprised you the most about him?
1: I think it was his, his sincerity. He, he doesn't seem to have the same attitude towards baseball. To him, baseball was his life. The, a, a number of uh, stars today are more interested in their Twitter following, their Facebook friends. And the social media aspect of, of fame, where Lou Gehrig was more embarrassed by being famous, I believe, than than most people would be in his situation. It was very odd in those cases, so uh, it, it makes him stand out among the other ballplayers of his era.
0: We're chatting with Alan Gaff here and speaking of writers. His new book is uh, Lou Gehrig, The Lost Memoir. It includes a biographical essay by Alan in this book, let's look at some facts about Garrick. born in 1903, went to Commerce High School, enrolled at Columbia. When he's at Columbia, Alan, what's going on with his family? Well, the plan was
1: for Columbia to give him a, uh, a degree in engineering so that he could have a basic profession that would help support his family. His father had a series of illnesses, was unable to fully support his family. Sometimes his mother had to go out, take in laundry, uh, clean homes as, a, you know, just a, a day laborer. So Lou felt compelled to support his family. And the best way he found after two years of Columbia was to play baseball. Matter of fact, he, he received a signing bonus of $1,500, which to the Gehrig family was a godsend and a fortune that they'd never seen before. But that $1,500 in today's money would be less than 23000 So if, if you think Lou got a good deal from the Yankees, I think the Yankees got an even better deal by signing Lou Gehrig with all of his capabilities and the records that he would set during his lifetime.
0: And some great records, of course. Chatting with Alan Gaff here, and speaking of writers, his new book uh, is uh, Lou Gehrig, The Lost Memoir. What was his relationship like with his mother?
1: Well, in Lou's own words, Christina Gehrig was his best pal. He had had three siblings uh, that died in infancy or early age, So he was a survivor and his mother doted on him. She took care of him in every way possible, whether he was suffering from bruises or fractures from playing baseball to fixing some of the best food that he'd ever had in his life. The family itself was what you would call hefty, I guess. Ma and Pa and Lou weighed together a total of 675 pounds. And when asked about uh, feeding Lou, Ma would always say he didn't become an athlete by eating spinach, (laughs) which was true. Um, He ate everything that became anything that, well, he ate everything that looked like food in front of him. And when he first started with the Yankees, his first nickname was Biscuit Pants because everything seemed to go to his butt. Uh, which was seemingly out all, all proportion to everything else on his body. But in 1925, he got a new nickname because his favorite food was custard pie. And depending on the size of the slice he got in a restaurant, it, it would be devoured in either two, three, or four bites. So from then on, his teammates called him Custard Pie, Gary.
0: Alan Gaff, my guest here And Speaking of Writers. His book uh, is Lou Gehrig, The Lost Memoir. What about his relationship with Babe Ruth? What was that like?
1: I guess the best way to describe his relationship with Babe Ruth was Ruth was essentially his big brother that he never had. Ruth loved to give him advice, whether it was on hitting, about... uh, Taking his strength and hitting balls to the right field stands for home runs rather than fly outs to, to left or center or maybe a double or so. But he also encouraged Lou to save his money, plan for the future. And in, in one instance, he was giving Lou this heartfelt advice about, you know, you need to plan, you need to save your money. And in the dugout, Everybody else on the team was just bowled over with laughter because up to this point in his life, Babe Ruth had squandered every cent he had ever made. And the, the teammates thought it was rather ironic that someone who had never saved a penny was giving Lou investment advice.
0: Yeah. 14 years after his account, Lou, of course, would tragically die from ALS. What do you think his lasting legacy is?
1: Well, I, I think his lasting legacy would be—he was a man of, of class, dignity, and humility, who always followed the rules. And in his mind, there was no substitute for excellence in anything that he did. He was—he's—he was determined to succeed in baseball, just as he would have been determined to succeed as an engineer if he'd completed his his. Columbia education so I I think that's the biggest thing to take away from it he wasn't a natural athlete but his success came through his conditioning training and a determination to become the best baseball player that he could ever be
0: Alan Gaff the book Lou Gehrig the lost memoir thank you for joining me
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: And this is Speaking of Writers, and that is Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another edition. I'm Steve Richards.